Welcome to the Homeopathy for Mommies radio show. Your host, Sue Meyer, is a Catholic wife and homeschool mom of 11. She shares her knowledge of the study of natural alternative medicine with you. While this show is not intended to diagnose or name any disease, through her experience, Sue will share helpful information to help you further your study into the amazing world of homeopathy. And now, here's your host, Sue Meyer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Homeopathy for Mommies. I'm Sue Meyer. My, I was telling my daughter this morning, I says, I'm so nervous and I'm so excited because I get to interview one of my heroes. <laughs> and I don't have very many heroes in my life. I never have other than, you know, um, my husband and my family and um, God. <laughs> but I will tell you, when I met and studied under Dr. Carol Phillips, she is um, a doctor of chiropractic medicine. And in my book, she is one of the most wonderful people I have ever met simply because of the way, she, well, not to mention her talents as a chiropractor and an um, innovator, but because she is one of the most loving, giving people that I have ever met. And she gives, gives, gives of herself, of her talents to anyone that comes in her path. And like I said, I, I'm feeling a little bit emotional right now, but she is wonderful. And with that introduction, I'm going to let her tell you about herself. And some of the work that she's been doing for the last 30, 40 years. I don't even know how long, doctor. Can you? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I don't even know where to go from there. (laughs) But you are, you're so wonderful. And I'm so honored to be able to visit with you today. And um, I want everyone to know about the work that you've been doing and the work that you hope to continue to do in the future. Thanks. Thanks. Um, Well, where do I start? Um, You know, it's funny, you said homeopathy for mommies. And um, that's what's so, so cool. So I'm hoping that the people on your podcast are mommies who are looking for answers, how to take care of their kids and help others. And for, you know, I always um, lecture, I have an outline, but I always am guided. I let God tell me what I'm supposed to say. Tell me what, you know, I always ask first, tell me what you want me to tell them. Show me what you want me to show them. And I always ask that I be a clear and open conduit. And right now, as you were saying that, it feels like I'm supposed to tell you why I'm a chiropractor and how I went through um, some very traumatic times with my daughter because the birth of my daughter was pretty traumatic. The pregnancy was traumatic. And um, as a result of that birth, Angel was developmentally delayed and at eight months she couldn't even turn over, which was good because I was pregnant and on complete bed rest with my second one. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I was a footling induced force delivered baby myself. So I grew up with uh, migraines and a lot of problems. So my pregnancies were difficult and then they did a hysterectomy afterwards and my kids you know, as a result of that, my daughter was developmentally delayed. And then um, she couldn't eat anything until she was about 15 months without throwing it up. Uh, But she recovered. She recovered pretty nicely. She had chronic ear infections. Uh, I was just a mom, military mom. And I say just a mom. That's the (laughs) job in the world. But I was a mom in the military with my, my husband was military and we traveled all around the world. So we were in Europe and I couldn't get answers for what was wrong with her. Um, They just gave her antibiotics, gave her antibiotics. And eventually she Uh, She never rolled, creaked and crawled, but she did stand up and walk. She stood up and stiffened and fell back on her head multiple times before she walked. And, um, and then when she was three, she fell off a monkey bars with a sitter and on the top of her head. So I, I whisked her into the military base in town just in case. And sure enough, she started vomiting and she had a concussion with lost the reflexes on one side of her body. But, you know, back then, and this was 50 years ago, they said, just watch her. She'll be fine. (laughs) So we watched her. And nine days later, she got a bladder infection, which was never connected to the concussion. 
but wow. she got a bladder infection that lasted for three more years. Oh, she uh, lost her uh, bladder control. She uh, was refluxing to her kidneys. So she lived on antibiotics and every one of them she was resistant to. So they went through the whole gambit. Um, she scarred in the urethra from the infections. So there were surgeries to reopen the urethra. It's really, really was traumatic as oh. a mom when I just kept saying, but why, why? I was a neurotic mother. Oh. Every time I went in, it was a different doctor and um, they would say, oh, Surely uh, she's not infected. And I'd say, well, you know, I could tell how many thousands, hundreds of thousands of E. coli she had just by her sample. And, wow. um, and then they would test her and say, oh, yeah, she is. Wow. And, um, but there was no answer for why. And I just wanted to know why. Okay, I'm going to, I have to accept this, but at least tell me why. And uh, finally, we got back to the United States and we had a uh, pediatrician who put uh, a, a urologist who put um, electrodes on her back because she had a dimple in her back and along her spine. And he put electrodes on her bladder and showed that uh, the nerve root from L1 was not functioning properly. So when she got even a tablespoon of fluid in her bladder, she would seizure, she would spasm and seizure from the waist down and oh. her knee would be up in her chest and she'd lose bladder control. So we, um, you know, we went through this. He said, well, there's no treatment. We'll just give her tranquilizers to deaden the nerves and continue with the antibiotics. And the antibiotic that worked also uh, as a side effect damaged her pancreas. So she oh. had diabetic symptoms. She had psychological problems from the tranquilizers. She felt like she was broken. And um, first grade was really tough. She couldn't read, even though I'd read to her from the day she was born, every nap time, every nighttime, she couldn't read anything. And uh, so we were, you know, just going downhill. Oh, my first grade teacher. um, I showed her her medical record, which was about two inches deep and said, uh, here's what we're dealing with. And she said, you need to go to a chiropractor. And I thought, are you kidding? They'll paralyze her Uh, back, you know, in the seventies, it was still the medical profession was still um, having their boycott and telling a lot of untruth misinformation about chiropractic. And uh, anyway, after by February of her sec, her first grade year, I gave in and the urologists were saying kidney dialysis was our next move. And I took her to a chiropractor. I wouldn't tell him what was wrong with her, but I let him analyze her. And he told me, you know, well, she had to have a pretty significant blow to her head to have uh, um, the atlas, the top vertebra out as far as it was. Oh my gosh. And then he went down and he said L1 nerve root. It's really bad. And then, and then he said, um, we need a, a saliva sample because her pancreas seems to be not firing. He was a toughness doctor and he had an instrument. He could tell all of this. He was right on. I still didn't, you know, still afraid to have her adjusted. And he said, I, I can adjust her, but you'll never know if it's making a difference while she's on all these drugs. Wow. And I can't tell you to, t- to go off of them. So I went home and I prayed a lot about it and I took her off the drugs, very scared, took her back in. And to my surprise, he used an activator and a little click on her neck and a little on L1. And then he told me, you need to take her off of all white sugar, white flour and red meat to, to grow a new pancreas. And she will. I took her home. I thought that's it. I was afraid of her being paralyzed and that's it. A little clicker going, click, click, you know, and uh, that was it. And her infections were gone. And um, I did change her diet for the rest of her childhood. Now, back in the seventies, there was no homeopathy that, it, you know, it had not come back until after the um, medical profession was found guilty in the Supreme court hearing in 1987 that they had boycotted homeopathy and chiropractic and 
all other alternatives, and they were forced to stop in 1987. But uh, and you couldn't get organic foods. Wow! So feeding her no sugar, no red meat, no white flour. That was tough. Wow! We did it, and she, she, she only had uh, I think one or two infections after that, and it was when she went to stay with her dad, who didn't believe in my chiropractic no sugar stuff and gave her cookies and then would call me from the hospital. And he said, you know, she's, she's infected. And I said, get a, get the antibiotic. Don't give it to her, but uh, take her to a chiropractor. Wow. He is an avid chiropractic believer now. (laughs) And was then. Oh my goodness. She needed was an adjustment. And, um, and of course, Later, you know, after that, I started taking uh, the children that I was uh, a teacher's assistant with the kids who were removed from public school back in the 70s because they were hyperactive or schizophrenic. You know, they couldn't be in the regular classroom. And there were very few kids that fit that back in the 70s. But I started taking those kids and especially one autistic kid back when it was one in 10,000. And I took them to the chiropractor and he treated them for free. And I documented it for about three years until I knew that I needed to go to a chiropractor uh, or to be a chiropractor. He stopped my migraines. Um, He cured my my daughter and he brought this child out of autism at 10 years old and uh, helped so many of my students that I knew I needed to be a chiropractor. And that set me on another whole journey, single mom with two kids and very, very poor. And, um, and I started when they were in first grade, and I finished my third degree. um, And after my second one graduated from high school. So (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a long journey for me, but as a mom, it allowed me to uh, work, go to school, get a career. And I didn't start actually practicing chiropractic till I was in my forties. Wow. Uh, so some people th- think I've done it forever and no, not actually, not when you graduate as late as I did. Oh my goodness. But that's kind of the gist of it. I totally uh, built my practice on helping moms. Uh, I had just pregnancy, maternal care. And um, I could say, I get it. I understand what it's like to have a child that's suffering. And you just want to know why. And you want to do something about it. And being told you just have to learn to live with it is (laughs) not the answer. That's just not the answer. So there you go. I don't know why I needed to tell you that story. I don't even know if you knew that story, but there you go. I knew parts of it. I knew parts of it from our class, but I will tell you, it's just, it's so amazing to be able to just hear it all in, in one, in one Mm -hmm. shot. And, and as far as like our listeners go, I will tell you that um, there are, I I get emails from people all over the world, but um, chiropractors, naturopaths, massage therapists, and moms, (laughs) And there's actually a few medical doctors as well that follow this, um, this podcast. And like I said, I, I know when I wrote my first book, it was homeopathy for mommies and, and my friend Felice, who actually runs ultimate homeschool radio, she goes, Sue, she she goes, you're, you're limiting your audience by saying homeopathy for mommies. And I says, okay, I have to know who I'm talking to. I have to, that's where my comfort zone is, is because I'm a mom with 11 kids. And by the way, um, I did just take Gail Tully's um, Spinning Babies Aware Practitioner class because I'm, as we speak, my 41st grandchild is seven, eight days overdue now. <laughs> and out of all of our 41? <laughs> yep, yep. It's so exciting. But the, the strange part You remember all their birthdays, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have Google Calendar. <laughs> I can remember, I can remember the first 10 or, you know, so, and then I can remember the kid, the kids that have double birthdays. We actually have like four double birthdays for our grandkids throughout the year. So I can remember those as well, but then we have, um, but the funny thing is, Dr. Carol is, um, when I took the spinning babies, I did it because our last two grandbabies, now I had 11 children, all my babies were lined up quite well. And I didn't have any delivery problems or anything like that, but, um, I did have a couple of C-sections, but they weren't really needed back in the day. You know what I mean? But um, our oh, yeah. last two grand- grandbabies have been breached. Now, 
out of my daughters, I think I have four daughters having children now. And, you know, the last, and so one was her eighth baby breach for the whole pregnancy did finally come down, but was still not in a really good position. And then this, now this pregnancy, my daughter's it's her fifth baby and he's been doing flips the entire pregnancy. And we, I took the spinning babies. We've, he's been staying down now. And I don't know if it's a he or she, but staying down, but like I said, now she's overdue. So it's just, <laughs> um, I, that's why, you know, I was so excited. It was such a timely thing that when I says, that's it, I have to have Dr. Carol on here so she can explain to people, you know, a, about the pregnancy. And because actually many, many people have heard of spinning babies, but they haven't heard of Dr. Carol Phillips, who was actually Gail Tully's teacher. So, um, you know, it's just, it's a, such a wonderful work that, that you and the midwives and, and, um, doulas are, are, um, you know, they're following your lead and they're doing this all over the world now, take, you know, helping mothers during the pregnancies with, um, so they don't have to have as many, there's not as many C-sections if, if people are, you know, doing cranial sacral myofascial unwinding and dynamic body balancing, which I want you to explain. And so you went from your chiropractic, um, you took your chiropractic and as you progress, I believe you took the Upledger, right? John Upledger's cranial yes, sacral that, therapy. When he first, yeah, when he first started teaching, uh, that was my foundation was okay. cranial sacral therapy right. with Upledger. That, that there's many types of cranial work right. and that's the type that I was drawn to because it's um, so gentle and okay. light. It's not moving a bone from point A to point B. It is, right. uh, sorry, I lose my voice here. It's uh, working so subtly with the dura and using the cranial plates just as a handle to move the dura, which is that membrane over the brain and uh, down the spinal cord. And because I did pediatrics, that was my practice, it evolved to what I, I had to change the name <laughs> because it didn't look like Cranials are cranials and the protocol is the protocol, but we started working with the whole body and allowing the fascia to unwind. That's how it looked different. Right. Yeah. Right. And so that's the, it absolutely fascinated me. And I did, when I took your class, I only took it um, because my, we did have grandbabies being born that were tongue tied. And the only people that could find it were, were cranial sacral therapists that had taken your training. <laughs> And I'm like, what is this? I had to know about it because I even knew I had, you know, I had clients that would come to me for homeopathy and for the most part, homeopathy, it, it just triggers amazing healing. But once in a while, you'll get someone who has a structural imbalance that just, you just simply can't, you can't get that to move. You can't, you can't take them to where they need to go. And so the one thing I talk about on homeopathy for mommies all the time is that everything matters. You know, like people have their different modes of healing. Some like herbs, some like oils, some like, you know, chiropractic, whatever. They all work together. They all complement each other. And sometimes they'll even acupuncture you. Sometimes you just have to find that, that niche that's going to help you get up and over a speed bump, so to speak in your process of healing. So I took your class. It was so amazing. And I come back and I've just been literally giddy ever since. Whenever I start talking about cranial psychotherapy and myofascial unwinding, I just get so excited because I have seen so many amazing, amazing things happen. So anyway, I'm going to let you go ahead and tell us what is myofascial unwinding, the dynamic body balancing that you do and how you evolved from the, the John Upledger to what you have literally perfected. Well, I did, you know, up ledger for about 10 years where people lie down, they go to sleep, it's very gentle, it's very um, still quiet. And, um, and yet I had a pediatric practice. So I had babies and children and once they can sit up, they want up, you know, and trying to, I, I got really good at distraction, trying, I wore big ergonomy earrings so they could play with my earrings while I'm looking over their head. But eventually it was like, you can't keep an eight month old down, they want up. And I had to figure out a way to do the work in a seated position, which I did with children. And when I would sit them up, what surprised me is they would look at their parent who was, you know, I was behind them and the parent was in front of them and they would just freeze and then start moving. And 
it became pretty obvious right away that their movement was they were recreating their in utero position and then they would unwind. Now, the babies who were brought to me were ones who had really tough births and were having problems with reflux or colic or ear infections or whatever. And we would see them in slow motion recreate their birth process. Oh my and it was amazing. And then as they would go into their abnormal in utero position, they would correct that. And then they would fold themselves up just the way a baby should ideally be in. Uh, and then, and then they would come through the, you know, like they were coming through the birth canal. It was amazing. And then the results were just amazing. And then wow. one day, uh, you know, I taught internationally all around the world, teaching chiropractors how uh, to understand that, that we shouldn't stop at the neck, that we should be doing the cranial and the body. And I was up in Canada and I had students at the chiropractic university there. And um, I had like 15 students a day, no tables, just chairs. And so I said, well, I'll show you how to do this seated like I do children. And the very first time I did that, to my shock, as each person was working on the other person, they were falling off the stool on the floor, recreating these abnormal positions. And one would say, this is exactly how I fell off my motorcycle. And another one, this is how I landed when I went over the cliff. And this is how I, everyone had an answer for why they were in a very odd particular position on the floor. And of course, I realized that we hadn't balanced their legs or their sacrum first before we sat them on that chair so they weren't on an even base but what I realized was that in the position of injury on a bike in a car on skis uh, upright we're almost always injured upright and when you're in the birth canal you're upright you know you're heading down but you are vertical right and if you get back into the position of injury you'll recreate an injury that's affecting you right now and your body remembers it and it in slow motion, it recreates it and corrects it. So that was the beginning of, oh my goodness, I need to do this differently and allow the body to do what it needs to do. So there is no intention like I'm going to have you do this or I want right. you to move like that. I'm simply going to either distract the tissue or compress the tissue and then follow. So the whole, all the work is just follow, trust that the person knows what they need to do. And your job is just to facilitate and encourage them to do whatever they feel like they need to do and follow that. And then they correct it. And that's why you saw such amazing, unusual things in class as people just start unwinding the fascia, yep. which is the connective tissue that covers every organ, every muscle every yep. bone in your body. Yeah, exactly. That is absolutely amazing. I like I said, I, and I'm, I'm in, well, you were given, I believe a great grace to, to be able to, as you were working with people and your patients, that you were, had that level of understanding, the innate level of understanding. And, and now, like I say, you, you go around and you share with everyone. And um, it's, to me, that's just, your work has been so tiring. I, I love to teach. I go around the country and I teach classes as well. And I, um, I find it's, I love it, but it is so exhausting and I'm your junior That's an understatement. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm quite a few years younger than you and I still find it extremely exhausting. And, um, so your future, because you have had over 40 years in this now, oh no, 30, you've been at this for over 30 years, 30 years in practice, Wow. Mm -hmm, but I've been working with children since I was 14 oh my and uh, working in a county Indian hospital as a candy striper. And you know, oh. yeah, so I've always worked with kids for the last 60, wow. <laughs> 60 plus years. Uh, yeah, it's been a long time, 30 wow. years as, as a chiropractor and teaching. That's yeah. amazing. You had mentioned some statistics earlier on in this interview about one, it, you said one in every 10,000 had like autism symptoms. Was it autism? We were Okay, in the 70s, that was in the 70s. So what have you noticed <laughs> as a change to that? Because it's, that's a huge subject. I mean, wherever we go, it's a huge, huge subject. And 
It's one of those, don't get me started. Right. Uh, yeah. So we've watched, I have watched autism when you work with them every day. And I started, there was uh, just two in all of Colorado. And I worked with those two because it was one in 10,000 kids. Oh my goodness. And um, then by the time I was out of graduation from school, I was in, uh, graduating from chiropractic school. I was in, um, getting my human service administration degree where I worked with autism at the university here and uh, the kids from Minneapolis were being put in a lab at the university of Minnesota to be studied. And so there was classrooms of autistic kids. They had gone, you know, in 20 years that bad. Uh, Now, you know, over the years I've watched it go to one in like 22, I think is the latest, um, statistic is one in 22 kids are autistic. And at the rate that we're going, it's predicted that by 20, um, 2030, one in two kids will be autistic on the spectrum. And uh, of that 80% will be boys in 2030. That's not far away. No. And people think, well, that's, that can't be, but all I have to do is ask in a classroom. Now, how many of you know somebody with an autistic child and every single hand goes up now? I um, think, what? how did this happen? You know, the autistic kids today don't look like they did back in the seventies when they would not make eye contact, you couldn't touch them. They were not affectionate. They were considered, you know, it was believed that they went away into their own world because their mother didn't love them. That was uh, (laughs) Professor Battleheim's theory that the mothers didn't love them. So they got their own love within themselves. Of course, that was later disproven by Rimlin and um, well, 1968, we started using ultrasound very sporadically, Dr. Edward Hahn started that to see if he could reduce the incidence of cerebral palsy. So he used this technology that he felt should be used only on um, very high risk uh, labors to see if they, if a baby was going into distress, we could get them out before they develop cerebral palsy. That was all he wanted it to be used for. Instead, ultrasound became widely used with no research on safety, not having any clue what it would do to the cells of a developing fetus. And it evolved to a business, a very lucrative business without research. And in 1989, they... Uh, increased the ability to use the wattage by eightfold. So people could turn up the dial to get better resolution. um, And the the technicians didn't even know how much, uh, how much the wattage was that they were putting into this baby. And anyway, that was the year 1989 that we started to see the rise in autism dramatically. And um, it, it just took a, you know, a big slope. Well, we also increased our vaccine schedule. So add that to it. Um, There is no one factor that has caused this rise of autism that started escalating in 89. But the most common factor is ultrasound globally. You know, every country in the world uses different vaccines and they have different air quality and they have different water. They have different foods. They use different herbicides. Um, but we but we all use the same ultrasound technology. And um, autism is global. It is not an industrialized country. It's every country. And the countries who don't even offer prenatal care use ultrasound. So uh, what the research now, you know, by people like myself who've been so invested in this, I have seen is that if you alter the cells with ultrasound, then you expose this child to environmental toxins, vaccines, the toxic effects of vaccines, um, you will change the way the DNA is expressing itself. And what they found and reported on in the 80s, in the very beginning, was that it's cumulative. When you ultrasounded a mother back in, in the, you know, the early 70s, uh, they started in the 80s, they used it, um, it mutated her eggs. 
and they oh. didn't know how to read the tracing. So they left it on for days. Right. And we're talking the sonogram that you see a picture and the Doppler that you listen for the heart rate and the monitor when you're in the hospital, all of them are ultrasound. Oh. And mo- many people don't know that. And you have to just say, did they put a gel? If they used a gel, it's ultrasound. And, um, and then you ultrasound her egg. Well, if the fetus was a female, you ultrasounded her eggs for all her future generations. And then, you know, she grows up and they ultrasound her to look at her ovaries and she gets pregnant. Her eggs have already been mutated when she was created. Her eggs are mutated. And then now her baby's eggs are mutated. And we're seeing the impact of more and more and more ultrasounds. And of course, in the beginning, they did it at 20 weeks to get a baseline. Now they're doing it at um, eight weeks to see if you have a yolk sac, 12 weeks, 20 weeks. And if you are considered high risk because you're 35 or something, or you have twins, or they just want to, they will do it every week. Um, And you'll get ultrasounded by the technician, and then the doctor will come in and repeat it just to make sure. So ultrasound, um, if parents only knew that they're not accurate, they're not accurate in size, they're not accurate in dating, um, and they're damaging to the DNA as the developing fetus. Now, you can't do research because everybody's been ultrasounded. You can't um, do research because they don't uh, document what wattage they used, how long they left it on. Somebody can have an ultrasound that's uh, two minutes. Yep, there's the baby. There's the head. Move in, move out. Another one will spend four hours uh, using an ultrasound. If they're in the hospital, they could be on it for days because they had an epidural and Pitocin. What people don't realize is the Doppler that you can buy. I mean, anybody can buy an ultrasound machine, but you can buy a Doppler and listen to your baby every day, not realizing that um, you are sending continuous ultrasonic wave, a mechanical wave. It's not a sound wave. Once it goes through the transducer, it is no longer a sound wave. It's a mechanical wave that heats the tissue. And um, if you're using a Doppler, it's continuous. It doesn't turn off. If you're using sonogram, it's pulsed, right? So that's a huge topic. But as you can see, I can get really worked up. (laughs) Yes, I've seen the damage. I've documented it. and it's, it's one of those things like you don't even want to talk about it anymore because you can't change it. Oh. It's a, it's a money-making, you know, technique. Wow. And uh, people just wow. want to know their baby's okay. They yeah. just want to know and don't realize that they're risking long-term, a lifetime of damage. Uh, and it doesn't happen to every baby because the amount of wattage is different. The amount of time is different. The the cells that are dividing while they're doing it is different. But all we have to do is look around, look around at what we've done. And our poor children are dealing with environmental toxins and vaccines that are filled with formaldehyde and uh, adjuvants to make their body react um, and foods that are genetically modified. And so, you know. Our kids, how women are brave enough to have kids in today's world um, is is tough. And then, and then you add the structural imbalances that all women are dealing with. And, and I'm going to just jump away from, from ultrasounds um, for a minute, because you started by saying, you know, your child, your (laughs) grandchildren are breach or um, overdue. And how is that different from when you had children that they were all, you know, delivered nicely? Of course, back then, if you once once a C, always a C. So, you know, you added that. Well, what is it that's happening today to these women? And that's where we have to look at structure. These girls today, um, they hardly can get through life without a a fender bender, a car accident with a seatbelt on which puts the torque in their pelvis, but they're doing sports like football and volleyball and um, 
they're they're working out doing boxing uh many many activities that are making their pelvic floor twisted and tight and then they ask a baby to get through and they yeah. think well i'm so strong i work out so well they don't realize the strength in their abdominal muscles is equal to the strength in their pelvic floor muscles and then they can't get their baby out and they don't understand where we, we didn't do those sports. You know, our babies just, you know, should have just fallen out. Yeah. <laughs> if you're in a state of balance and, um, and that's what we work for. We want to get women back into a state of balance in all their tissues so that baby can use their primitive reflexes to work their way out safely. Um, but in today's world, women don't realize that the physical activities they are doing are making it difficult and the accidents that they have, the skiing, the horseback, the uh, car accidents are contorting their pelvic floor muscles. And those poor babies don't have right. a chance, you know, of getting out. I remember you said in class, we were wearing race car five point harness. Yes. Mm-hmm. That would be a different story, but we're not, we're wearing something that, you know, is going to come, we get in a fender bender and it's going to completely torque us. I have seen, I've had many of my children wearing their seatbelts and they get into a car accident and they're in the chiropractor for years and they never do get over, you know, the, um, the torsion that they, they go through um, in that car accident. So anyway, I, like I said, don't get me started. Right. Also, are there help for people like with your myofascial dynamic body balancing? Is there help for people who have been in these types of accidents and people don't understand that it's not just chiropractic work that you do. It's what is so special and what happens, what helps, what's the difference for the cranial sacral myofascial? You know, I, as I said, I've, I've spent 30 years teaching chiropractors that they have to go beyond adjusting the spine. And, and many, many of us do in many different ways. But when you adjust the spine, the vertebra is out of alignment because the muscles pulled it out of alignment. And uh, you, can, you can put it back in, as we do, and it'll go back out. And you put it in, it'll go back out. And you might be seeing a chiropractor many, many times. And so I've told chiropractors, if you're still adjusting after two weeks and they're still in pain, you're missing what's pulling it out in the first place, which is a muscle. Bones don't move on their own. You could fall on it and knock it out or jam it, but they don't move on their own. The muscles move it. And that's a very, very simple way of facilitating the muscle to correct itself. And then that will move the bone into place. Now, I love being a chiropractor because I can do both. I can make it much faster. <laughs> right. Uh, but you don't, uh, you don't have to, you can't just adjust the spine and expect it to stay that way if there's torsion in the body. And when you talk about the uh, seatbelt, yeah, seatbelts save lives. It saves you from being thrown out the window. It saves you from being thrown into the seat. But it only holds one shoulder, as you said, and your pelvis. So the free shoulder on impact, you've got a lot of energy. If we look at physics, the car weighs a certain amount. The energy of that weight, that car coming at you, going through your body, when your one shoulder is held back and your pelvis is held back, that free shoulder is flying. Now, it's different if you're, um, say, you're a passenger and the car hits you from the right-hand side, your harness is on your right shoulder. So you're not going to torque near as much as the driver in the same car who has nothing on their right shoulder, and that's going to make them whip around that harness. And the torsion is full body. It's not just the shoulder. It's everywhere. Now, you can go to a chiropractor, and they can work on your whiplash and work on your shoulder, but it's going to take a long time if you don't release the fascia that's wrapped around the muscles that were held tight, the pelvic floor muscles, you know, the respiratory diaphragm separating your lungs from your organs. And in dynamic body balancing, we correct that. Uh, And that allows the vertebra to go back into position and stay there uh, until you do it again, (laughs) until you do something else. And I always say, you know, life, life happens. We do things every day to torque up our bodies. And if we knew how to just allow the body to 
recreate that injury and correct it, it would save so much time and uh, money and right. effort in trying to keep your spine in alignment and your nerve flow. It's like my daughter, Angel, that L1 nerve root, just that one nerve root that got compressed when she fell off that monkey bars, that organ could not function. Her bladder could not function properly after that. Well, how many people take falls off the monkey bars and down the slides and down the stairs and off their bike, you know, so... So we all deal with life and the older we are, the more we compound that we add one on top of another, on top of another. So, and anyone can, anyone can learn to facilitate a release. It's not a profession. It's not, uh, you're not curing anything. You're not diagnosing anything. So the people that I teach are of all walks of life, you know, with a career or no career. Um, because you're not diagnosing anything. You're not treating anything. You're not curing anything. You're simply dancing with the person. It looks like dancing uh, by just facilitating a release and then allowing them to, to do whatever they need to do to balance their body back out. Right. To to a better place, to a better place. So I teach chiropractors how to either do it or, or hire somebody to come in your office and, and, uh, Yep. And do the unwinding, and they exactly. can stick to what they know, diagnosing and treating subluxations. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing, all the work that you've done. And I, I have so many questions. I could sit here, and I could ask you questions all day long. <laughs> but you know what? Um, I'm thinking that this podcast is probably getting long enough, but I, I, just, I just think we need to have you back. <laughs> because you're well anytime anytime (laughs) Sue (laughs) oh you're so sweet I really appreciate this and like I said because well I I'm always I have a private membership um that I have um people asking questions all the time and I'm always going on and on and on about cranial sacral myofascial unwinding and and they'll they'll type in questions about you know something or another and I'm like probably in 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 10 different questions up probably recommend cranial sacral therapy, cranial sacral myofascial unwinding therapy, even in three out of those 10 questions, just for the simple fact that, you know, like I said, there's a, maybe, maybe a pinched nerve, there was an injury, there's, you know, something going on. And I tell people, unless a baby comes out perfectly beautiful, uh, you know, like a four hour labor, that was a good, strong labor that you know, just every baby should have mm-hmm. cranial sacral therapy as well. Don't you? I mean, that's basically what you taught us because it's rare that there's an absolutely perfect delivery where the baby has had no stress, you know, no. Um, yeah. it, well, you have to, you're, you're nailing it down to the delivery, but there's nine months in utero. Was yeah. mom, uh, did mom fall down? Did mom have an accident? Did, um, did she get emotionally upset because her mom died right. during pregnancy? All of that influences the baby. Yeah. And some people think, well, it was a very easy delivery. It was really nice. Yeah. And, and I'm like, but then my co- child has colic. I don't understand it. And it's like, okay. well, it's the in utero experience. Right. Somebody, a baby can be breached common. They can be breached uh, out of position. And we work on the mom balance her body. The baby gets in position and the baby delivers just fine. But that fascial torsion of being in the breech position of having been contorted prior, it's still there. Right. We still have to work on that baby. Right. Even though the delivery was fine, the pregnancy wasn't. Um, so that's amazing. Yeah, Every baby would benefit. (laughs) Every baby would benefit. Right. And you have to remember, I'm going to impress upon you that, um, we can refer to someone doing cranial sacral therapy, but that doesn't mean they're doing dynamic body balancing. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've referred so many times to somebody who's been trained and they say, well, I don't do kids because they move. Right. Or, or I'm, I'm not trained in pediatrics and they won't do that. Or they are trained to simply sit with the person and feel their pulses because that's all they grasp right. in the training, right? So right. if they weren't trained in dynamic body balancing, they may not be doing any fascial unwinding. Right. Which brings me or to- Or the person could be trained. 
Yeah. Oh, I was, the person brings- could be trained in John Barnes work and it's just like mine Okay. in the fascial unwinding. Okay. But okay. he doesn't do the cranial piece. Okay. So Interesting. Th- well, that brings me to your website. Uh, we will post, you know, we'll have a bio. Um, we'll post it on the, with the podcast as to your website. And so um, where people can go for more information because in, and like I said, you've trained chiropractors around the world. Um, you've, you're been instrumental in the United States, especially Minnesota and, and Texas as well, <laughs> where you've done most of your trainings, but you have on your website, a, a list of all the people who have trained under you who, who do, um, the same work or, you know, do the work that you've initially taught. Right. So, um, we'll make sure we post that so that you can, we, anybody can look at that, but if they are only listening, do you have, um, your website address that you can just say right now? Sure. It's just, um, dynamic dynamic is the, is, uh, means movement of energy, right? Okay. It's dynamic body balancing. And I know in spinning babies, Gail calls it body balancing and she just kind of shortened it to body balancing, but it's dynamic body balancing.com. Okay. And on that website, if they hit, uh, click on more, it will say facilitators. And that's what we call ourselves. You know, we are just facilitating the release. They're not therapists, they're facilitators. And, uh, it will state all the different, um, um, states and the people within that state that have taken the full hundred hours. Right. Uh, so yeah, everyone is listed on there if they've taken a full hundred hours of training. Right. And, uh, also on that website, it will show a lot of locations for the classes, but they're not taught by me. They're taught by my teachers that I've trained. And, uh, as I was telling you before we started today, I'm no longer able to travel. I'm a little older and have had some health issues. So I have now allowed other chiropractors and specialists to do my work. They do exactly what I do. They teach the same class that, you know, the, my, my PowerPoint that I've created and they do it the same way, but they add their own expertise. So uh, one is an OT pediatric specialist, uh, occupational therapist and on the East coast. Uh, One is a massage therapist and Turnquist in Wisconsin is wonderful, wonderful massage therapist. The others are all chiropractors who have been doing this work for 10 to 20 years. They've been doing dynamic body balancing and taking my class many, many times. Right. So um, now it looks like I'm lecturing all over, but I currently only teach here in Minnesota and I let them do all the rest, Um, but it's the same work. It's the exact same work and um, people can take classes, you know, anywhere, but it is, dynamic body balancing versus cranial sacral therapy, which is more of an up-ledger strictly approach. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I mentioned this because we were chatting before, so I don't know if it was on the actual recording, but I had just, I've just finished my aware practitioner through spinning babies and Gail Tully, who um, started spinning babies as, because as midwife, she took the, she had taken your classes and then she took what she learned from you and she brought it into her midwifery practice and it's now that has also gone international and they're doing great work with with um you know the babies that they're delivering and um so in and and talking to you earlier you said I've taught many many amazing people <laughs> and I'm, I I have to agree and I, like I said I remember when my my homeopathy for mommy's podcast came out I would I had gone to seminar and a nurse uh, who had gone become a homeopath she said she's standing there looking at me she goes I know you and I'm like oh I'm I usually don't forget faces, but you know, and she goes, Oh no, no, no. Oh my goodness. I listened to your podcast. She goes, I, she goes, I was apparently mine was like the first homeopathic podcast out there. Now there's quite a few, which I'm so thankful for because I mean, you know, I'm not a social media person, but I, I do listen to podcasts and, and like YouTube um, speeches on occasion. And so that's how I use um, media and <laughs> I'm tech stupid. But at the same time, I just love that there's so many people that are able to hear a podcast like what we've just done. And they're going to go, what? Why have I never heard of this? Oh, my gosh. And then they're going to start doing the research and they're going to tell their friends. And it's so exciting. They just get so they get fired up. (laughs) And I just love it because, you know, I mean, I'm a book reader. 
but you have, you know, back in the good old day, we had to go to the library or, you know, to find a book. And if, the, you know, sometimes they didn't have a particular book, but everyone has, you know, this wonderful tool of the internet now that can be used for just these fantastic trainings and, um, you know, the, the good news too, <laughs> the real news, <laughs> not the fake news. <laughs> so anyway, I really appreciate you being here, Dr. Carol. And I'm, when we oh. get off here, I'm going to actually just, we're going to set up another a, a date that we can do another podcast. Cause I have seriously so many questions and each question could be its own podcast. So, <laughs> well, Sue, before we go, before we finish this up, uh, I would like to say that you remember my video volume one, um, witnessing the miracle of birth. Yes. You know, that with 3d animation, of the birth yes. process, it's now for free on my YouTube channel. Oh my goodness. So anyone can, um, yeah, I, I sold it for 20 years and, um, sold out. And then I thought, I'm just going to offer it for free to anybody that would like to watch and, and see the birth process in, um, the optimal biomechanical way, but oh it, goodness. um, it's a, well, it was my, you know, it was my your project. Big, big, <laughs> my big project 20 years ago when animation was brand new, you know, wow. access to it. So anyway, all they'd have to do is Google um, Dr. Carol Phillips, DR, Carol okay. Phillips, volume one. Okay. V-O-L period one. And it will take them right to my YouTube channel, which does show me working. Uh, there are different YouTubes showing me working on a baby that was foot lean breech vaginal at home uh, and had to do a lot of very unusual unwinding. So if they wanted to see an unwinding, it would be on my YouTube channel and, uh, and to watch the volume one DVD to see the birth process in 3d with primitive reflexes and um, to see how we, we ideally would like to see a baby be able to come out. So anyway, do want to make that, uh, known that that's available and they can watch it now. I really appreciate this. I am so excited. Thank you so much. And to everyone out there, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And like I said, we will definitely be having Dr. Carol back simply because of her. Wow. Yes. Her willingness to share and, and, and teach all of us of this, the simple things in life. And, and yet they're not simple. They're extraordinary. So with that, may God bless you and yours. Thanks for listening to this episode of Homeopathy for Mommies radio show. Please visit Sue on her website, homeopathyformommies.com, and join us right here at homeopathyformommiesradio.com, Wednesday, noon Eastern. As always, we pray the Lord blesses you with good health, vitality, strength, and wisdom.